We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy Tuesday. Hope you had a great Father's Day. I went on a father-son drive, which was very, very cool. Yeah, pretty cool. There, yeah. was, a, there was a car meetup in the morning. Yeah, there was a Cars and Coffee here Park locally City, at Park City. So there was that, which was very fun. And you guys just took off, and didn't you? And then we you? went driving. And, and we did that. my son did that classic thing that he does when we go to Cars and Coffee now, where we get out of the car and he goes, can I have the key? Because he just wants to show the car to people. If anybody gets, if, if you get Is he within, taking people for rides if, now? No, he's not. But if you get in talking <laughs> distance coming. of the Lotus Elise, he will put he'll put you in the driver's seat. I look around; people are in my car. You know, it's just uh, yeah, it's hilarious. So he does that for a while, and then right we, this uh, way, folks, seriously. come see the Lotus Elise. Yeah, seriously. Let so, me so we explain it. To it was you. it was awesome. Don't, it. don't get me wrong; but it was very cool. So we did cars and coffee, then we did a father son drive, which was very fun, That's and then great, and then I edited. Because, <laughs> yeah. and here's why I say that, because I'm very excited to say that the first three episodes, half of our new season, season five, is actually shipping, it's, it's in transit already well done, man. to cable, which is very cool. Well done. We have two more, a little bit of show business here. We have two more episodes already in the can that gives us five fresh episodes for season five. I will say, because we don't know yet... We had a sixth. We had a really cool sixth. Oh, it was, it was, related to the Supra. It was the pinnacle. Sixth, the Supra I feel is like. is so in demand right now yeah. that the schedules have changed on the Supra side of things. We now can't get that car. We were pushing, guys. We were pushing the schedule more than you, I I was comfortable with. Was it Supra in demand? It was super. It's super in demand still. Yes. So th- we aren't going to have that car, which means we aren't going to have that episode six. So we are trying to figure out: Are we going to have an episode six that we can pull off here at the eleventh or maybe the twelfth yeah. hour by this point? Yeah, or are we just going to have five episodes? Either way, it's a very very, it's incredibly varied and very fun five episodes. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, the the sixth episode was lined up, and then now this this and alternate that we're not. talking about mm. is still related to new new enough cars that we're still not sure if we can get one in time to make the TV deadline, the cutoff. So it may just be a, f- a five episode season, which is fine. They'll be really varied, and we're really proud of that. Very and then very be episode, interesting. I mean, there'll be season six. Pretty much immediately we start shooting that. In fact, here, here's mm-hmm. what's crazy. Season yeah. 5 premieres the first Saturday of July. The last Saturday in July, we are shooting our first piece for Season 6. You realize that? Holy cow, you're right. Yeah, that's how this is working. We're I'm right not complaining at all. It's just the, the summertime is already locking up with great stuff to do. And and then the next weekend, after we shoot that first, I, I, I'm cow. just going to go on a calendar run oh here real quick. Oh, my gosh. Hang on, I'm everybody. not sure if this is healthy. It, it's great because the next weekend is our Utah meetup, first weekend of August. Ah, yes, right. Utah meetup, that is a track day if you'd like to come. You can also just come and hang out and go to some dinners and maybe ride a bike or, or go on a hike with us. And, and you can hang out at the track. We're going to have garages at the track to hang out in, which is going to be very cool, a catered dinner that night if you want to be a part of it. Yeah, there cool. is a really cool road tour on Sunday. That's the following weekend. Then, like a little over a month later, we're in Germany for pilgrimage. Which, right. by the way, you've got like right. you've got like two weeks left. If you want to go, you've only got two weeks left by the day this podcast drops to actually reserve your spot. We have a great group going. All those cars are already locked, but we do have a few spaces left. If you want to do like a last minute, hey, I do really do this, want to go. This We'd is love kind of the last you. minute, though. We'd this, love to this have call you, for, for sure. action right here is the last minute. So, well, uh, there have been two people that wrote to us within a day of each other mm-hmm. about the exact same topic, and so I figured, you know, oh, what? Yeah. we need to discuss yeah, this yeah. for Topic Tuesday. The question from Bill B. and Seth K. is, how much research is too much? Mm-hmm. And Bill says, how many spreadsheet tabs is appropriate to create in your search before they need, well, A, an intervention, and then, you know, you know the disease has really taken hold. And then, yeah. you know, at what point in the research process does the research overtake the, the overthinking? Completely. So yeah, it's, it's paralysis happens. by analysis, mm-hmm. really. Completely. And Seth yeah. has asked the same question. And, you know... 
how can how can you get past the research to actually pull the trigger and make a decision? So mm-hmm. we will we'll talk about that and then we've got a really fun debate for Rob G in Washington. Yeah. He is a naval flight officer on Whidbey Island in Washington Very and cool. he's got a healthy budget which actually you'd be surprised having a $50,000 budget you'd think, well, the world is your oyster. You can just get about anything, but it's actually kind of hard for what his requirements are. So we'll discuss yeah, that after the break. And then, cool. of, course, of course, loads of questions that are rather creative. And, and, and some of them are lengthy. Some of them are like, very wow, lengthy. Yeah. that made me think. So that's so very cool We, we as well. just need to get started right away. We just do. So we can we get a dive right in. Yep. Yep. Straight, okay. to, straight to the topic Tuesday. All right. Jumping in. So Bill and Seth have asked this question. How do we, how do we stop researching mm-hmm. and get to the car? And actually, Bill said he went to a car show and found a 78 Chevette mm-hmm. with window stickers and documentation and An owner that loves this car. A Chevette? Yes, with I, the original window sticker. I by now. Yeah, you would think. You would think. They're turned into something. They're toasters now. But, but his whole point of seeing this Chevette in pristine garage condition with all of the posters and the window sticker and everything, his, his whole point was, I'd like a, to love a car that much. Especially considering mm-hmm. it's a 78 Chevette. He was like, how did yeah. this happen? If that's love for a 78 Chevette, imagine what a insert any other car here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. And then Seth's story here. He recently purchased a new-to-him 2011 Cayman base in Guards Red. Very cool. He is not sure he could be much happier with his choice. <laughs> thrilled to hear that. However, he spent a lot of time dwelling on this question. You know, What are, what are the people going to think if I show up in a Porsche? Mm-hmm. What are people going to think? At yep. some point, yep. that not only applies to Porsches, but... Other cars, too, Completely. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. have to get past it. And so he said he didn't specifically go bad shopping. He didn't get the Porsche because it was a Porsche. He got it because it spoke to him, mm-hmm. and it made him look back when he walked away from it. Same thing with that 78 Chevette, by the way, uh, that happened somebody, Bill. Somebody's walking away from that 78 Chevette going, that's my car, as much as I wouldn't have that be mine. I'm but looking okay. back at the Chevette. Wait, All right, great. Wait. <laughs> All right, so ultimately, Seth's email coincides or, or kind of – culminates here in the the statement he says Seth has mad at himself for letting his fear of a relatively rare issue affect his decision making and that issue was mm-hmm. the IMS bearing yep. in 911 so he had yep. gone round and round he found an 02 911 Targa with 90,000 miles and his budget was 25k so you know at that budget you're thinking I can't afford an engine swap. Yeah. What if something yeah, yeah. goes? I can't afford a rebuild or totally. anything. It has totally. to be the car. It has to be great but he, from the beginning. But he went thinking, I'm going to get a 911. I've always kind of liked the he 911. Did. And he then did. the whole reason he yeah. ended up pivoting, if you will, to the Cayman. And the Cayman clearly speaks to him and is awesome. So, so Seth, Seth, I'm thrilled to hear that. But the whole reason he ended up going Cayman, and 2011 Cayman, by the way, mm-hmm. which is post-IMS issues in the Cayman chassis. Right, right. So he just wanted to avoid that possibility. So he's he's sitting here saying, did I did I do wrong? Did I obsess myself mm-hmm. into a corner and and take? Seth, I'm going to say something terrible. I'm going to say something terrible. Right. Just just hang on to something. All right. I, I'm sure there's something wrong with the 2011 and up Cayman. Something that somebody okay. will discover sure. and just decide. Sure. Sell them all now. They're terrible. Every, every car has this thing. I feel like. And and I don't feel like any car really, if you dig in far enough, is immune. It's just the IMS bearing has gotten discussed so much mm-hmm. by a community mm-hmm. that is so not only vocal but very involved in their cars. But I, I'll give you a great example: the the Acadia that mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. wife and I had new. Yeah, my in-laws ended up buying it. 
so I'm still aware of its of its status. I, and I actually should I actually should do it's a still side by side in your life. Yeah, I should do a side by side with our Cayenne at 120,000 and that at 120,000 because it's actually an interesting discussion point. I've been in the the Acadia recently. It's not aging well, but <laughs> but that generation That's of funny. Acadia That's had car. ignition wow. issues, ignition yeah, coil issues. Yeah. And m- many people have had the, that generation of Acadia, those early early ones. Ours was a 09, so like the 09 2010s. They've yeah. had to re- replace all of them. And my father-in-law's had that exact same issue. Now, okay, that's clearly an issue with those cars. So my, my point is I yeah. feel like every car has that thing that if you dig far enough, you go, oh, oh, this is that car's issue. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just true. how much has it's it been true. blown up and how common is it? And in the case of the IMS bearing, Okay, or in the case of the transmission on my Lancer, I'll go there too. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not like they are all destined to fail. Chance, who shoots for us? Mm-hmm. His his mm-hmm. uh, Carrera's got like one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it now. Never had the IMS bearing changed, but it's a driver. It's been driven. So at this point, is it's difference. probably never going to go. I had that same thought, Seth, about that Targa you were looking at with 90,000 miles. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. been driven. It hasn't sat. It was usually the cars that have been just sitting, Mm -hmm. not driven. And, of course, there is the tracking issue. And it does specifically say in the owner's manual, if you put race tires and slicks on your car, they can't guarantee because of the oil slosh, the gravity feed. You need a dry sump, and they're not fitted with it from the factory. But they're not designed to be race cars, even though they kind of are. But I love that this is a a manufacturer that thought of that, though, too. Yes. I think that's they, fascinating. They yeah. recognized and thought of it. Hey, I'll go to the 928. That timing belt on 928s from 86 on up, I think mm-hmm. it was 86 or 87 and newer, had this seven-foot timing belt. <laughs> and the issue with this was something called an interference engine. Mm-hmm. The belts don't necessarily break. They stretch. And okay. if they stretch, it'll slip a cog Ooh. in the overhead cam, and therefore it'll set the timing so the pistons will hit the valves, oh. which means about four or $5,000 worth of work at least, and oh. you know, definitely an engine rebuild. And so every 928 owner is freaked out about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you know, the timing belt was changed, the tensioner's fine, there's oil in the tensioner. The tensioner was this, you know, it was like a mini NASA project. It was so complex. It was ridiculous. It's this oil-filled, spring-filled, it's it's crazy. So that was the the fear of 928s. And Seth, you even mentioned the Z3 Coupe and the M Coupe mm-hmm. offering the rear subframe failure fear yes. Yes. that you got. Yes, E46 on, generation, that su- rear subframe Every car is just, has it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, When we're all looking at performance cars, we've got to keep in mind that engineering a high level of performance, and this has been throughout history, comes with some Mm trade-offs. To Mm -hmm. extract even more power or even more performance out of it means maybe a a different engineering thinking that might be a little bit more delicate. Mm, Interesting. It's hard to just, you know, we're we're putting the pushrod V8, and that's what we're going for, and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's not going to break. Yeah. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Well, technology has advanced. You know, companies are trying to extract more with less mm-hmm. and then, you know, turbocharging and you get more and more high-strung engines. The Mitsubishi Evo engine is rather stressed. Yes. But wow, does it offer power mm-hmm. in this and, compact and Known to car. be very robust. But yet, okay. It is. But okay. But every, every things Subaru, happen. Absolutely. Every Subaru STI owner is worried about his head gasket. We could go on. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Seriously. So at this level... You have to, I guess there has to be a willingness to accept, okay, if I'm in that 5%, can I afford it? Mm -hmm. Can I deal with it? Otherwise, I've got to shot myself into something. If that fear takes over and that is just the driving force, you've Mm -hmm. got to do, you know, your research has told you now, I've got to put myself in the category where 
I'm out of it. I, I, I can't deal with it because if it does happen, could it happen? Sure. Is it going to? Probably not, but yeah, we've heard yeah, yeah. the stories and occasionally it does. So we're not here to stoke fear by any means. Every car in the future is going to have some sort of you know little thing, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. Some are bigger than others. So I'm, I'm caveating it, but I just feel like as enthusiasts, we're going to have to take that, you know, you want that performance car, you want to play in that category. Well, that's part of the risk we have as, you know, owning yeah, yeah, that yeah. car. It just yeah, yeah. kind of goes with the territory. But back to your research question here. <laughs> There's been a few of you who have sent us the Excel spreadsheet link, the Google Docs link yes, to the spreadsheet. Yes, we've a few of those, yes. Which is crazy and, yeah. and admirable all at the same time. Yeah. Because, you know, at, at that level, you're spending money that mm-hmm. I have to have this investment be solid. Mm-hmm. And... Any investment, there's there's a risk. Yeah, for sure. There's a one percent sure. yeah, risk. Yeah, there's yeah, a fifty yeah. percent risk. There's a hundred percent risk. And so I feel like you'll you'll research yourself into knowing everything about it because you've trolled forums, you've read every comment. That guy had his window regulated. Something happened. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we know everything. At some point, does it make you from not wanting the car? Does mm-hmm. it prevent you? Yeah. You've read so much about it. Does it now? Turn your stomach. Are you turned off by it? And the fact, whether you've driven it or not, the fact that, oh, just driving it gives me a heartache and I I can't ever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or can you allow yourself and give yourself permission to be at the place where, you know what? Okay, I want this so much and it gives me such a return Mm -hmm. in driving feel and driving pleasure Mm -hmm. that it's worth to live with that and... Stuff will go wrong with cars. If it, yeah, completely. If it can be made, it can be unmade, right? Well, in a weird way, a car is a consumable item. You, in a you, weird way, you, it you is. use them yeah. up eventually. I mean, I realize you could keep putting money with it, but but a car much different. Than, and I want to go this way a couple different ways. A car is very different than a house, and I feel like because they cost so much, we as consumers tend to look at our car like our house. Fair. Your Fair. house could be fifty, hundred, two hundred years old. You're still living in it. You can you can yeah. modernize it. It's going to be and and barring something catastrophic, it will be here in another hundred years. Mm-hmm. Your car will Ideally. not be. It will not be being driven in a hundred years. It just won't be. Okay, it's so, crazy to think but, about. But I think we we look at cars because of the cost. We look at cars as with a, an investment mindset. And I think and there's some questions coming up related to this too. I think that's keep holding us back. And, and I say this okay. this way. If you're an enthusiast and you're listening to the show, hi, you probably are. If you're an enthusiast, you like driving cars, I think we need to look at cars by and large unless – oh, look, I will caveat. Unless you're just buying a commute appliance, mm-hmm. then it, mm-hmm. what does it need to do? It needs to start and run and get you from A to B. And that's its entire job. Yes. That's a whole job. Yes. But what we're talking about here is fun cars. We're talking about cars that we got because we want to experience them. This makes them, follow me, more like a vacation than a house. Interesting. When you, when you book a vacation. Cars are a vacation. But, but think about this. When you book a vacation, <laughs> how often do you book a vacation thinking about all the things that could go wrong? Because let's be honest. Well. You could have travel issues, plane issues. Yeah. Uh, Terrible, terrible crashes. You could get sick. All your luggage could be lost. I could keep going, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. There's a ton of things that have and do go wrong with va- people on vacation. Yeah. 
Yeah. We've had all our stuff stolen in the middle of a trip. It wasn't a vacation, but the same point, point is made here. All of these things are possible. Every one of you, maybe yourself, maybe someone you know, has a, let me tell you about my awful vacation story. Mm-hmm. But we all still mm-hmm. take them, and we book yeah. them based on wanting to have a cool experience. That doesn't mean you go to a war zone. You obviously look at stuff, and you avoid certain <laughs> places that are currently right. hot spots right. because you want to avoid those. And I think, I think when you're shopping for a fun car, you need to look at it more like that. Okay, Mm. this is money you're not necessarily getting back, i.e. a vacation, but you're getting an experience out of it. And there are things that could go wrong. You need to educate yourself, but you need to go. No, no, no. I want to have that (laughs) experience. And and everybody's personal tolerance is going to be different. But I think that's the mindset we need to have. I'm wondering, are there folks listening out there that have broken the ownership cost down to, well, that cost me $9 a minute. I owned the car for 10 years, and before the engine blew, I drove it this many miles, I had this many hours of fun in it, so that equates to about $9 a minute. <laughs> I'm sure it's so, happened. Sure it's happened. Which leads me to, how are you going to pay for this experience? Mm, okay. And at present, there's two ways of paying for it. There's buying and there's leasing. Yeah, yeah. You can pay cash, you can finance, yeah, yeah, or you yeah. can lease it. So if you're tending towards the side of things where ah, I just don't have a big appetite for if something goes wrong, I just want it full under warranty and mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. I'm kind of renting it. Leasing is for you. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, leasing applies really to newer cars that you might not know of about the IMS that that fair fair thing they could have their thing that nobody's discovered yet you're right yeah yeah so we don't even know about it until years later so when maybe you want to buy instead well now you know everything about that car yeah. and the older i think it's 10 years older you can't get financing it depends on your bank or your credit union most banks won't you, but then credit unions will be a little more flexible yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you kind of yeah, have yeah. to pay cash or you're financing from bank of mom and dad or friends family and fools <laughs> Haggerty you know? and who knows the specialty folks yeah, yeah for sure yeah so you've got to decide okay i still want that car now how am i going to pay for it because all those things mm-hmm. it, it's that risk appetite and yeah. that's yeah, what yeah. you have to you get to know yourself pretty well when you're yeah. Evaluating big decisions like this, mm-hmm. like you said, buying a house or something expensive like this. How mm-hmm. am I? What's my risk tolerance here? And it just it happens in any investment. But cars are that thing. But yeah. you have yeah. to actually once you've decided a. I want that car and all the things that I've read can possibly go wrong. I still want it. Yeah. Now yeah. it comes down to all right. I'm just I'm gonna buy it because mm-hmm. I still want it. Mm-hmm. And that's when the life is short, live, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the future kinds of discussions come into play. For sure. And everybody's tolerance is different. And obviously, if you have, you know, other people that are affected by your decision, that changes the decision again. I mean, I'm going to stay with my vacation analogy because I think it's much more like shopping for a vacation than it is for shopping for a house. And what's the experience you want? And what are the downsides of that experience? Do you want the experience anyway? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee, I guarantee, if you buy some car that you don't think there's an issue with, you just haven't dug far enough in the forums. Or the car's not old enough. <laughs> there's an issue lurking somewhere it's because cars have them. And that's okay. That's kind of the reason we love them in a weird way. Hey, everybody, at 90,000 miles, this will happen. Yeah, exactly. Sell it. I well, mean, my, you know we what? made the joke. My, my Cayenne, for example. I had done research. I knew that the, the base model Cayennes were pretty reliable. I'd talked to mechanics. I'd heard they were reliable. In my research, and I'm not saying I spent days. I didn't. I didn't spend days digging. But I hadn't heard about the uh, center drive shaft knuckle mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. almost always go bad on those cars between 100 and 110,000 miles, and ours went at 106,000 miles. <laughs> and the minute that it went, I called my mechanic, and he went, oh, yeah, sure, that happens all the time. 
It's like, but I didn't. But but I, but, but I, 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 nobody <laughs> yeah. told me what the. But here's the thing: when yeah. I have not bought that car, no, I've had transmissions go out on cars. My 300ZX inexplicably had a knuckle in the center of its drive shaft, which also went bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying all of us have the budget to. Or in the financial situation to just fix whatever goes wrong. I wasn't excited to fix that problem with yeah. the Cayenne, but okay. I'm not saying that by any stretch. But theoretically, we could just keep driving all the cars that we have now. Mm-hmm. Just keep mm-hmm. replacing the part and keep them, keep them going. You could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we get bored of them or, you know, they get stolen or wrecked or, you know, you just want something new and you want a new experience or your needs change. The it maintenance happens. cost exceeds your tolerance. Well, yeah, that, that. <laughs> but... It's ultimately it's important to do enough research so you feel well informed and you're mm-hmm. aware of the risks. Yes, and yes. then Agreed. making the decision after that. Well, you you know in your heart already. You mm-hmm. you know yeah, going that's in. Good. That's good. Rather than making a car as a point of purchase display like bubble gum at the grocery store, where <laughs> I just have to have that because look at that thing. Well, you know that's going to be about an eight thousand dollar suspension repair. Like. Yeah. Phaetons. This is the reason Paul Keith pushed me away from Phaetons because yes, you could get it for four or five Phaetons. grand, but you know, the, if the transmission goes, it's nine at each corner. Yeah. Each corner for the suspension is roughly fifteen hundred. So you know, I mean, walk carefully. This is the reason when I say ask me about cheap Phaetons, it's not just I'm going to buy one. It's huh? The BMW okay. 850 odd V12 with the manual transmission. Yes, holy grail. Does anybody want to actually go buy one? <laughs> no. no. Maintenance may not be your friend. That's true. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for the question. Hopefully that's helpful. And, uh, you know, you have our permission to go throw caution to the wind and buy the car that you really want to get. Because, have a car vacation. Yeah. I'm staying with it. I'm staying with it. it. I love it. Thanks to you both for writing it. And if you've got your own topic Tuesday, write to us at the same place you send your debates, which is TV at gmail.com or on the website. Again, to Todd's point about the pilgrimage, you can find everything on there. And yep. I'm just saying, you know, when the photos and the video come out and we post the video on YouTube, we want you in there. We yeah, want you for in sure. the video. For sure. And we'd love to have you at the Utah meetup as well. Both of those can be found on the Adventures for tab. For sure. For sure. Guys, we're taking a quick break and then we're coming back. Summer's here, and with that comes sunshine and blistering hot car interiors. I know that leather seat seemed like a great idea at the time until you scalded your legs. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com, or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We're often asked how we find the cars we recommend because we do a lot of research for the show. Local or nationwide, our searches start with our friends at Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter your parameters into Auto Tempest one time and search them all at once. You can see results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader and Car Gurus without entering anything new. You can even search all of Craigslist nationwide. You know how hard it is to search Craigslist all at once? You can with Auto Tempest. Auto Tempest can help you find your next new or used car if there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. Plus, the folks at Auto Tempest actually do listen to this very podcast right along with you, and they're always looking for ways to refine the site to make it better. They already have research tools, buyer and seller guides, and are listening to what features users want. 
So if we give you drive homework or you're chasing your dream car or you're just looking to feed the disease, autotempest.com is the place to start. Heck, I was honored an hour ago. We're back with a great car debate from Rob writing to us from Washington. He is in the Navy. He's a Naval Flight Officer, and he has only owned one car, mm-hmm. and he loves it. It's a 2014 Mustang GT that he has done quite a few things to. Uh, he thoroughly enjoys it, but he's kind of going, okay, is it time for something else? And if so, what? Yeah. And then it just spirals from there because, of course, he's a car guy. <laughs> exactly. So thanks for being with us, Rob. It's awesome. So we got $50,000 and many things to consider. This is a fun one. Good news, everybody. Rob is selling his Mustang. It's a 2014 <laughs> Mustang GT. Brand yes. new when he bought it, and it has an endless list of mods, including Borla's, Brembo's, stainless steel brake lines, short throw shifter, <gasps> Ford Racing Tune, Roush Chin Splitter, Staggered Center Falcon, BMB 5, wheels and gun metal, wearing Nito Invo tires. Very cool. Yeah, Very this cool. Is a cool car. One thing it doesn't have, though, he didn't, when he bought it new, he didn't get it with the track pack. And he wishes yeah, he had. Yeah. And so one of his first considerations was, should I just go get the track pack aftermarket for about $2,000 and add this to this car? Mm-hmm. He's thought about that. Yeah. But then that's the thing, because of listening to us, honestly, we've infected him. <laughs> uh, sorry, Rob. And you're welcome, all at the same time. Uh, he's, he said, okay, he's thinking now that maybe it's been paid off for a couple of years. Maybe it's just time to move on and do something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the criteria here that he's looking for is 50K. Sharp handling, mm-hmm. good steering feel, and okay. specialness. He okay. wants right. something that an enthusiast knows and something that will turn heads. And he says, you know, Mustangs are kind of everywhere and they lose that special feeling. <clears throat> special cars and coffees, you know. Events, leaving the events. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's when the whole crowd doesn't like them. But at the <laughs> moment, yeah, anyway, yeah. And he says, even non-enthusiasts might not even recognize a GT350. I get it. That is a fair point. That is he a fair said point. he's uncomfortable in the C6. By the way, how tall was Sam, who Six- was the... Hang on. Let me back up just a the second. The owner. Just a second. Yes, I, I want to go there as well. Rob mentions to us that he's six foot four inches, so slightly bigger than Paul and I, but he has my problem of the Sasquatch torso. Yeah. Okay, so he's got a long oh. torso. But he said he will not fit in the Corvette C6, and I'm surprised because Sam, who had the C6 Z06 for our American original film, is six foot eight. Did he have that seat lowered? Did he have tall man mods done to the car? I don't at all? think so. Because it didn't feel like I don't when you and think I drove so. it. I'm pretty sure. Now, uh, he he sits with I know the back the seat raked, but I also remember when I got in it to drive it. I not only brought the seat back up, but I brought the seat forward. Oh yeah, yeah, I did too. Sam yeah. Sam is a great guy, and he is a huge guy. Okay, so yeah. he fits in that C six Z six. So to be honest, I'm I'm quite surprised, honestly, Rob, that you don't fit in the C six. You said you were uncomfortable in the C six, but no, nothing like when you tried to get an ND Miata and just went, nope, not happening. Yeah. So it sounds like the Corvette is is like on the edge. Is how I read that. Even though he says the C seven seems a little roomier to him, even yeah. though it's. I wouldn't say it's that much roomier. I'd say it's probably fairly similar, to be I, honest. I wonder, I wonder about variations in roof panels. Hmm. I wonder if there's Maybe. variations in roof panels. Is that center tunnel on the C7 is more intrusive than the C6? The C6 just feels like dashboard. The C7 now wraps True. more You're fully sitting, yes. and it's wider, and there's, it's just more instrument panel in yes. the car. But Rob's issue clearly is vertical. It is, yeah. 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 Interesting. All right, so he's looking at Lotus Avoras. The okay. Alpha Julia Quadrifoglio. Okay. And within the past week, the new Supra. Okay. Because of us, we've been talking about these cars a lot. Yeah. And yeah. the thread here is that they're special and unique to him while maintaining a sense of lightness, dartiness, just a special kind of car. He wants handling for sure. He yeah. does. Yeah, he definitely. Does. So now he's looking at uh, some obsession, <laughs> obsessed cars. He's 
He's looking at the latest CTSV and ATSV models. Well, that'd be the CT4 and the CT5. Well, but, yeah, he, if he's looking at the, looking at the at new ones. I think he may be looking at the outgoing ones. That's kind of how Probably I read the this. Probably yeah. yeah, yeah. Looking at the C7 Grand Sport, C4ZR1 from American Original. If you haven't seen the film, we encourage you highly. It's available on Amazon Prime Video. <laughs> well, and also on Blu-ray. But that C4 is a, is a surprise car in that piece. There's one on Bring a Trailer right now, too. That I've been that's, looking that's hurting at. you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really low right now. Of course, the bidding just started. But it's super low. It's under ten grand. <laughs> he said he's also driven the three seventy Z Nismo, and he can't stand the interior. You you don't like it because the car's been the same for ten years. <laughs> well, there is that, and the it's price true. and the price is now fifty grand. Yeah. And it's been the same here for 10 and, years. And you look at an 09 and you think, now, now what's exactly they're, they're the just, difference? They, that, oh, come on. Nissan, <laughs> Nissan, I am genuine. I'm sorry. Side note. I am genuinely rooting for you. I was at a Cars and Coffee this weekend, and there was a 300ZX there. And I had that moment where I realized if I had a four or five car garage, I'd have a 300ZX back mm. in it. I just really mm. still, that car still, still speaks yeah. to me. But I want a new Z car. I want the Supra's out, guys. Look, p- pick your direction. Go Supra or chase the 86. I don't care, but let's just do a new one. Anyway, sure. there's the side note rant. So, so 370 Nismo is out for that reason. Uh, he, he really likes, because most people do, the 991 GT3, but it is completely out of his budget. Yes. And then he brought up the Alpha 4C as well. I don't know if you'll fit in the Alpha 4C. If you're not fitting in the C6, you're not fitting I, in the Alpha. I, I think you may be out of luck there. But we fit in the Alpha. Maybe maybe my knees are next to my ears or something, and I fit just fine. I don't know. Well, but here's the thing. I, I've been in the Alpha with a helmet on, and it's not comfortable. Oh. Okay. So uh, Rob's got an inch on me, and he's got the long torso like I do. Yeah. That's going to be a bit of a challenge in the 4C. I, I have to ask this question, and again, I'm Lotus Guy. Have you sat in the Avora? You mentioned the Avora. Do you have enough space in the Avora? I'm wondering... I, I think you probably do, but my guess is you're. I, I bet you, in a, with a helmet, you turn your head to the side. I bet you're kind of like so. I am in the Elise, where my hair, if I move wrong, my hair is brushing the ceiling at all times. So I, I think that Evora is. I'm I'm a little surprised that's a candidate. You haven't mentioned if you've been in it yet or not. I think that's right on the edge. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it and the C6 have similar space, and you and you're not sure about the C6. So I think that's an interesting one. Of course, look, I'd love for you to have an Evora. But I really do wonder if you fit in that car or not. Rob, do you have a V-shaped torso where you have to turn sideways to go through a door? Your shoulders Possibly. are so wide? Possibly. Maybe that's the issue, How do you too. fit an aircraft, by the way? Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, that's a side note. Yeah. No kidding. All right, so you're going to be shocked. I'm not going to recommend any Porsches to you. Mm. But follow my thinking here. If you think Mustangs are a dime a dozen, in that sense, by enthusiasts, Fair. let's be honest, Porsches are, too. Yeah, there's lots a lot and there's lots a lot of, of people You're love right. Porsches. Fair, fair. fair. My yeah. my own love for Porsche notwithstanding, but they're everywhere. They are yeah. at car shows. At You're you know, right. you see You're a Porsche, right. it turns your head, but it's still a Porsche. Not yeah. not to take away anything from them, the dynamics, the power, whatever they that attracts you to them. They become they become they're everywhere. Car car community wise, they become common. I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I like your thought here that you like the look of a tastefully modded Evo Ten. Isn't there a non-equal sign between tasteful and modded Evo 10? It's, it's a non sequitur right it, there, it requires, right? It requires a lot of money and a lot of restraint, and those things often don't go together either. In other words, just buy one like it came from the factory? But, but you, can do, you can do a few things, but you've got to be real careful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Rob, the M2 and 1M should be at the top of your list of things to drive. I agree. For you should drive those. 50K, that's good. That's good. you can find a... Meh, 
50 to 70,000 mile 1M. Betcha. I guess it'll be a higher mile 1M. It'll be a higher probably, mile 1 Yeah, that's the bottom of that market. M2s all day long. Yes. But the M1M yes. will fit in that category mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. these are your to-do... You're realizing you're creating drive homework for yourself just by oh, for sure, for sure. the first sentence. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting rid of my car. Drive homework. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Turn to page 20. <laughs> exactly. We're reading all to the next chapter. Now, the car that I want you to buy okay. is sadly $20,000 above your price range. Because <laughs> here we are. But I thought they were lower than this. Okay. I thought right. they were, but uh, this fits Everything you want out of a car, Rob, mm-hmm. except for the price. And okay. I just want you to know about okay. it. I'm not recommending you buy it. Hey, this, but hang on. I'm going to back your play for a second. <laughs> Lots of times people then write in and they, well, I Thank added $25,000 to my budget. So we don't know where Rob is. He says fifty True. grand for all we know. And, and honestly, to defend your point further, he says fifty grand, and he brings up the Supra, which is above that, and the Alpha Quadrifoglio, also above that. Very true. Anyway, go on. Very Sorry. true. I mean, not used, even though Supras are not but the used Supra, yet. But the Supra is going to be just above that period. But anyway, yeah, keep true. going. Okay, so this is a car that was only available for the 2018 model year. Okay. It is a very okay. special car. The enthusiasts who know it are, they love it. Okay. The people who don't know it, are amazed by this car and they'll give you all kinds of comments from hey what a cute car to awesome choice man it is the 2018 jaguar f-type 400 sport hardtop you went very specific i have the f-type on my list too i did not go that specific but that is a fantastic one you're right unfortunately they were ninety eight thousand dollars brand new they were they were they're 70 i did find one for 70k at flow auto center with 5600 miles you can get them in rear all-wheel drive but this was a supercharged v6 with 400 horsepower Mm -hmm. it's almost four thousand pounds but it doesn't feel like it no it doesn't no it's an astounding car to drive it is a very special car i agree with that i agree with that i think you should just at least know about it I'm glad you mentioned it. While you're there, I'm going to stop you while you're there because you brought up the Jaguar F-Type, which was on my list. I didn't go to okay. the 400, which we've driven and is phenomenal. I went to the Jaguar F-Type hardtop, period. Okay. The good. middle of the good. range, the V6 with the supercharger, that is that is the choice. Mm-hmm. You don't want the base V6. You kind of don't want the big V8 all-wheel drive either. You really want that middle of the range. And those you can find for your budget. Now, the you special can, 400 you can, you're yeah. talking about is genuinely special. But here's the interesting thing to I mean, to hence me. his email about just something that is just super unique and totally. special. And here's the interesting things. thing about this to me is that, you know, Los Angeles or here in Park City, both places with money, both places where we see all kinds of cars. Mm-hmm. I rarely see an F-Type in either place. <laughs> it's true. And when we do, it turns our heads. We go, yes. oh, yeah. Yes. Look and they, they are, I mean, look, from a from a shopper, a new shopper comparison, what are we sh- shopping it with? We're... we're Cross shopping it with a Porsche. Is it Cayman or Nine? That's yeah. who they're. That's who they're yeah. targeting. But the F type is dynamically. It's really great. I mean, it's on the street fantastic. and on the track, it's really phenomenal, yeah. and it is very unique. It's a wonderful place to be. I think that F type. You have to go drive one. I think you'll fit. I think you'll like it. I do too. I'm glad that you went as specific as that 400 because we did drive that one and it was it was I just, genuinely special. It struck me because I remember that car and it struck me. And I thought, oh, how are those down anywhere close to 50? They're Genu- not genuinely special. Not. But even if you didn't get that one and you got an F type in your budget, I think you'd Agreed. still be thrilled. I even really do. Even if it's a do. V6 with yeah. a manual and that's it, and you paid 43 or something. That's not great. it. That's great. Fine. That's phenomenal. Do that. I think, and, and I want you to compare and contrast that with the C7 Corvette. Yes, agreed, agreed. They're similar in size. They are similar in shape and, and, and just whole setup, but they're not the same car by any means. So you're a guy coming out of American cars 
Go drive the C7 Corvette. Go drive the F-Type. I like both of those. I already mentioned, I don't know if you fit in the Evora, but of course I like the Evora. Uh, I I have two more to mention. I do as well. Really quickly, Rob, 2007 Aston Martin Vantages are 46.9. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Yeah. But I'm going to go super wild card on you. I think you should go look at the, the BMWs because it's unlike the cars that you've owned. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be a very cool, very different experience for you. But, well, the 1M would be very special. The well, M2 yes. would be a little less so, but the 1M is a genuinely special car. But super duper wild card. <laughs> I'm going to sell this to you, Rob. Uh-oh. Factory 5 Daytona Type 65 already built. Whoa. You can find them under 50K. And you're 27, Rob, which means now is the time in your life to own something I crazy and went. stupid and weird. And, oh, my gosh, how did you afford that? So it looks like the Daytona Coupe, but yes. it's from Factory 5. You can, Of course, people are selling them built. It's Mustang yes. underpinning, so you get yep. the Mustang love. I see where you went. Keep going. Yep. I like this. The other reason is the SEMA build. Factory 5 at their 2018, no, 2017 SEMA show yeah, yeah, yeah. had one of them built. Mm-hmm. It was customized, and it was a matte gray, clearly owned by another fighter pilot yeah, yeah, yeah. who installed the stick off of, I don't know what the aircraft was, but it was a military aircraft because it did have the switch for guns. <laughs> Yeah. And that was his gear lever. Yes. And he had it installed. It was a, it made a crazy a huge build. Impression it was on a me. crazy build, but it was and very I thought, cool. Yeah. How cool is that? But it, it's only for the right person, and you kind of do have to be in the Navy or the Air Force just to be able to own one of those. Marines, too, but you well, know, but you have to be a fighter pilot to even just be eligible to do that in funny. your car. That's funny. Or maybe yes. you're a veteran and you've done that before. But I mean, obviously. Come on. Most of them are painted like the old Daytona Coupes with the blue, with the white stripes, yes. and look like a normal car. But it's still not a normal car. It looks like a Daytona Coupe. They are really cool, and it's all Mustang underpinnings. I, I see where you went. I see the breadcrumbs, clearly. Well it's, done on it's that. It's all there, and it's crazy, and now's the time in your life to do that. You've got the rest of your life to own Porsches and BMWs and whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Go nuts right now. Own it for a year, and you'll still be able to get some money back out of it. Okay. There's interestingly, even on Auto Tempest, I found classics, and one came up for forty three thousand dollars. Really? Not kidding? Huh? Yeah. It's well still, done. You, you can do this. So it's it's a super crazy choice. But if you just go trolling on Factory Five websites, the Type sixty five. Oh, 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 very cool. Look at you. You're, you're almost buying one. I love it. I, All right. Yeah. I, I have two other things I want to mention real quick. Uh, you brought up the Supra, so let's talk Supra for a second. I, I'm kind of surprised, Rob, that you brought up the Supra, but Please go drive this car because I think mm. you might leave the dealership with it. I genuinely think you might. Mm. Mm. I, I, you, obviously, it's only automatic. I do think that's a genuine bummer for us car people. I really think yeah. – I really wish there was a manual in that car. Yeah. The, the eight-speed auto in it is great, but I, the fact that you brought it up and I think it – I mean, here's the thing. I read your budget and I go, it's out of your budget, but clearly you're thinking about it. So go drive it because I do. I think you might leave with that car. I hope you fit in it. Very cool car. You mentioned Chevy SS. You went big all of a sudden. Chevy SS or uh, Alfa Romeo Giulia Quattrofolio. So suddenly we're in big sedans. Yeah. Okay? All of you listening to the podcast for at least five minutes know my love for the Chevy SS. I really, really like it. I'm going to say this, and some of you are going to be shocked, so just hang on to something. The Alfa is more special. Oh, great. I would go Alfa Quadrifolio over the Chevy SS, and I love the Chevy SS. Hey, I didn't recommend a Porsche. True. We're having a weird podcast. It is. Uh, so I think the Alfa Quadrifolio is a genuinely special car. You're in a much bigger car at this point. The Alfa does a really good job. You want steering, feel, and good handling. It does a really good job on that. We are talking genuinely bigger cars now. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're needing that kind of space, I would say the Quadrifolio, if you can do it as a used one. And then, of course, I, I'm going to mention a Porsche. 
Drive the 997-911. It's in your budget. Okay. That okay. is the 05 to 2012 911. Yeah. Yeah. Those fit people of all sizes. We, I have known really tall guys that own those cars very successfully. It is amazing, actually. So yeah. I think, and, and it's got a really good greenhouse. I think that is the Porsche to look at because that's the one I think you will fit the best. And it's classic 911. It, it does very, very well. Mm. All right. Well, Rob, at least a photo. Let us know. Let us know. For sure. Yeah. Hope that's helpful. The and, Factory uh, 5. I, I hope he comes away with one of those. Isn't those that are crazy? So cool. They're so cool. So different. And yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. You know, jet hot coated pipes. That was a crazy build. It was next to one that looked like it could have been one of the originals. It was very interesting how they compared and contrasted because they had one that looked like could have been one of the original Daytona coupes, which, by the way, are ridiculously rare and shockingly expensive. It looked, it was specced (laughs) exactly like the originals. And then next it was this fighter plane on wheels Daytona coupe that somebody had just gone, here's what I want this to be. And it was very cool. Need to dig up that photo and post that. All right. Question from David L. on Facebook. What company has the best everyday lineup? Hmm. Base models, no fancy bits. He said, it's not Ford. My last three loaners were crap. The base Fiesta Focus and now the Escape. Well, he just he just, he just just swung for the fence right there. I like it. That's good. Just put it out well there. Done. Hear me out, David. I think it's two. Okay. The think. Keep in mind the question. What is the best base models? You're shopping base models. Okay. Fiat. Okay. They have the 124 Spider. Yes. They have the 500X, which shares the underpinnings with Jeep Renegade. You wouldn't laugh at a Jeep Renegade. I might, but keep going. <laughs> I, I, I kind of do, actually, but keep going. But it's still, there's, there's yeah, something there, okay, keep going in there. The, the base 500 is not good. And then they also have the Abart 500. They do. Which is a snorty little beast and fun. It's cheap enough to be counted as a base model. Think base. Okay, all right. And then on the other side, Alfa Romeo. All right. Got a decent SUV. In the Stelvio. Yes. The base quadrifolio is shockingly you mean the fun base to drive. Or the base, base Julia, Julia yes, is genuinely you. good. I, I will give you that. The base Holy Julia cow. is just like, how did, wait, what did this cost? This is the base model? This yes. feels great. I totally agree. And then their sports car is an Alpha 4C. Yeah. <laughs> That's their base you sports buy the, car. The, you buy the stripper version of the Alpha yeah. 4C and you're still having a pretty you good day. You still have a 4C. I, I like that. I actually think Alpha does get it done. <laughs> how That's crazy fascinating. Is that? Well done. I mean, they're, they're two different price points because the base of the base 4C is still $66,000. Of course. So it's it not yeah. really a base yeah, car. Yeah. So I had to throw Fiat on there, but, you know. I mean, okay. they give All you a right. Miata for $24,000, right. essentially. A little bit different engine. It's 20% different. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, with, now with a different engine. Uh, Craigan asked a question on Facebook that relates to kind of where we started, which was talking about precious cars. His his mom and dad are looking at a, looking at selling their 09 Escalade EST. Mm. They're going to purchase their first ever Escalade. Corvette. Yes, the Escalade. They're going to purchase their first Corvette. His dad found a 2015 mm. Corvette Z06 in Daytona Sunrise Orange Metallic, which, by the way, yes. <laughs> yes on color. Bravo. 40,000 miles for fifty-two grand. It's a great deal, Oof. but here's why it's a great deal. Technically, it is a branded title. Now, branded title and salvage title are not the same, by the way. No. Salvage title is wrecked and repaired. Branded title generally means bought back by the manufacturer and fixed under warranty. Okay? Generally. Yes, but you have the market to convince of that. You have people to absolutely. convince. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So this is where the problem comes in. Because this this Z06 was bought back by GM, thus the branded title, to fix the transmission and to change out the supercharger because it was a, a, in that group of original Z06s that had those problems. That's why it's cheap. 
but it is very clearly a branded title. Yeah. So we have yeah. Cregan saying, please, guys, buy this car. It's a great deal. His dad in the middle going, I kind of want to. I kind of don't. <laughs> and his mom, <laughs> his mom on the other side. Hi, mom. His mom on the other side going, that's a money pit. Don't buy that. We'll never get our money back out of it. A couple of things here. Because it's branded title, you're, that's why you're getting it at a discount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's branded title, will it be harder to sell and you'll get less money out of it? Probably. But here's my bigger thing. We, as enthusiasts, I feel like we're being warped. And here's my point. Okay. We're watching what's happened in the last 20 years of cars, and that is cars that have no business being worth big money are suddenly worth big money. Why? Why? That you list know what? is growing daily. It, it, it's by abs- the way, it's absurd. It's yeah. absurd. And and the cars that are just you know they, they, at auction or bring a trailer or wherever. It's like the guy that bought the pristine <laughs> random thing is now pulled out of his garage and he sold it for money we can't even imagine. Buick GNX, a great example. Yeah. My point here is that I think has infected car culture throughout, and now we are all looking at cars we're buying. I'm going to go right back to where I started at the topic mm. Tuesday. We're looking at cars mm. we're buying for when we're going to sell it. What's it going yeah. to be worth when I sell this? Yeah. Guys, cars are a consumable. They lose value. If you have a car that gains value, it's the same thing as saying, you know our backyard? We just struck oil. It's a complete <laughs> shock. It's not something you can plan for. Okay? I go back to my Good. cars Good. are an experience. Cars are a vacation. Please don't buy a car for how you're going to sell it. If you're, if yeah, the, unless we're we're spending Craig, time in the ethereal air at auctions. Yes, and and, and you yes. just, but that's all speculation anyway. Yeah. Okay. Right. You may as well be buying art for the same reason. Why not buy art because you like that piece of art? I realize. Well, look, I that. know there's art collectors out there, and it's a whole. I, I get that. And there's it's a lot of world, ugly art too. But hopefully, the stuff that's in your house, you like. Yeah. You didn't buy it because you hope it's going to make. Uh, anyway, I mean, I know that what world exists is not the world I live in. But please stop buying cars because they're what they're going to be worth when you sell them. <laughs> buy them to drive them. Crazy idea. So, Craig, and here's where I'm going to go on this. The big question for your parents, hi again, mom and dad, is are you keeping this car a year or are you just going to buy this car and drive it? If you're going to buy it and drive it, this is a great deal. The reason it has a branded title is because the okay. manufacturer did something to it. I would not avoid that car because it's branded title. If you're going to buy it because you're going to have it for a year and you're going to sell it, don't get this one because you're going to have a harder time getting rid of it. Fair. My only thought is, isn't the branded salvage, whether it's been destroyed and repaired or branded and, and you know repaired by the dealer or the OEM, isn't it something like 50 or more percent of the car's repair exceeded the value of the car at that point in time, and so that's why it had the salvage title. Salvage happens branded all the time. is kind of the same, I, so the repairs exceeded half of the car's current I, I value. And I don't know. You know what I mean? Branded is far less scary to me than salvage. It is. Because salvage is, salvage is wrecked and written off by the insurance company. True. Branded true. is the under warranty lemon law is the best best place it happens. It happens all the time on lemon law. California is is very friendly to people doing lemon law. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you take your car in a certain number of times over a certain time period, you can just be like, it's a lemon. I want it back. And it may not be. But at that point, the manufacturer is required, certainly in California, to buy it back from you 
at market value, and then they can only resell it as a branded title. We had to buy it back and quote-unquote fix it. This happened to a rash of the first year of the FRS because people were hearing the crickets in their fuel pump. Oh, right. And they would take it back three times. By the way, still not a fix for this on these cars. And guess what? They just run. Yeah, they still work, don't they? They just run. It sounds ridiculous. It's the fuel pump, the high-pressure fuel pump, is making this little cricket noise when it sits still at idle. By the way, it just does that. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. It's no, these aren't people kept thinking it was their valves hitting. I mean, crazy things happened. Yeah, no. there was there was a rash you of know those. It when your valves are hitting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other things. You, you'll, you'll be aware. Uh, but there was there was a rash of BRZs and FRSs in the first year or so where people kept trying to take it into the dealer to get that issue fixed and it couldn't get fixed, mm. and so they became lemon cars, branded title cars that were eventually resold. Harder to resell those once you buy one. Also can be harder to get a loan from your bank for a branded title. But if you're going to drive it, get a deal and yeah. drive it. If if that price could come down off of 52 and you could still get it, that makes it an even better deal. Go Agreed. drive it and don't think, oh, I've got to get my money back out of it. That's what you do with other Corvettes. But on the other hand, the C8 is coming. So buy this one and go drive it. Buy buy whatever car and drive it. I don't care what you get back out of it. I, that's, my, that's my stance. All right. Uh, email. We just got an email from Chris Lawless. He is uh, writing about a 2016 MX-5 Club for 17K with 30,000 miles on it. He watched 34 of our YouTube videos in one day. <laughs> um, That's a lot. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think you should buy it over the 86. That's my stance. I think oh, okay. because you're thinking about putting a lot into it and you're going to want to tune it up, you can do that with the 86, but ultimately I think you should start with a Miata. My question for you, my only question for you there is, have you driven the 86? Because I, I think you need to drive them both. Obviously, you need to drive them both. Uh, yeah. He's been in the rings for 10 years. That, that's my only big question. He's a guy that, that tunes everything. That's yes. the big thing that is – And he's, he's wanting some numbers out of it. He's, and you, and you, need, you need a rear-wheel drive car. And don't buy a small, light rear-wheel drive car because you, you're, you're excited about how fast you can make it. Not its point. Very true. Not Very its true. Point. Don't Pl- dump money into I, it for I that read reason. Your, I read your email and I thought, you need, to, you need to get yourself a rear-wheel drive car and find some corners. That's a big thing Very because much so. don't buy a Miata or 86 because of how fast you can make it in the quarter mile. Absolutely. That is not its point. Absolutely. You're playing completely against its strengths. I think you need to at least drive the 86 because there's enough aftermarket for that one now, too, that you go nuts either way. At least drive it and ask which one do you prefer. But I think one of those cars is for you. And that club model I think you'd love. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, Chris, hopefully that's helpful to you. And uh, we got to move on to some other questions. Ooh. WRC is going to have hybrids from Areopolis. I say bring it. <laughs> bring it on. Okay. Doesn't every race series want more viewership? Isn't that the point of having the race series? Because you want That's how you get the sponsors. Because you have the eyeballs. That is how that works. That's the, the financials of that reality. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What else you find? <laughs> Jorge writes it on Instagram. I, I read this wrong the first time, but I'm going to tell you the couple ways I read it. He wrote in and he said, okay. <laughs> I saw this. Can I buy a really fun two-seater? He's specifically looking at an 09 Porsche Boxster and negotiate at home, or do I look for something else to enjoy with my wife and two kids? His wife, when he asked her about this Boxster, showed a picture of it. She asked, and I, this is how I misread it. I misread it. She said, are you leaving me? That's not actually what she said. She said, Oh, are that's you, how I read it. Yeah. The, what, it could be read that, are you leaving me? But it also could be read as, well, when you go off in the Boxster, who's staying with the kids? Does that mean I'm stuck staying with the kids? Oh, it, leaving this, her with the kids. This email oh, reads you're right. th- th- this. This question reads both ways. I thought you were. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're leaving me with the kids in your new Boxster. What? <laughs> First of all, the ki- two kids aren't going to fit. You no, no, no. You bought a Boxster, and I'm leaving you. That's anyway. The point here is, <laughs> hang on. 
buy the two seater negotiate at home. And here's my point. Here's my point. We we all this. I, I'm getting into conversations here tonight about things that we all as enthusiasts I kind of feel like are moving like lemmings into things. Okay. Sure. This is another one where every car we have has to do everything we needed to do in life. Why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Why does every car we have, and I say this as as the collective we, why do they all need to be able to go on a long road trip, uh, carry mulch, uh, be fun on the back road, um, be perfect for date night, and awesome when I have to carry the soccer team? Why does every car have to do that? Why can't we have tools we for jobs? We need to ask car companies this question. Okay. Why can't the we have? And this is why CUVs are, are 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 the greatest thing ever, quote unquote. Why can't we have tools for jobs? I say this. I say talk to your wife. Hi, wife. I'm now <laughs> talking to your wife as well. <laughs> talk to your wife about the fun that you guys could have, and I mean both of you with the Boxster. Mm. Okay. I'm sure there are times when the kids stay home with a babysitter and you go out at night. Take the Boxster. I will also say this to you: Are there days when, because of your schedule with your wife, you can take the family car and take the kids wherever the kids need to go, and she takes the Boxster for her day. Absolutely. My wife did her entire day today in the Lotus with the top down. Love it. She got ready to leave, and, and she said, all right, I'm out of here. And I said, do you want to take the Lotus? And she just stopped for a second and went, oh, the top's off, isn't it? Yes, I'm going to take the Lotus. <laughs> she Great. had a couple errands to run. She Great. had a couple of things to do. It's like, take the Lotus. My, my point Fantastic. is, get a two-seater, let it be a fun event car, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figure out how life can work around it, because you just look at your schedule for the week. Oh, you need a Boxster, and now I need it. And Great. Enjoy. A couple of BMW questions. First from The Legend Continues. Talking about Chris Bangle's era at BMW, he says, yeah. often looked upon negatively from a design perspective, he believes it's one of the most successful as he accomplished the first principle of designing a corporate look. You know the car is a BMW, and what are my thoughts on his legacy at BMW? And then Raiden's Garage, he wants us to answer, what is flame surfacing? Mm-hmm. First of all, Chris was known for flame surfacing because yes. you're right. He did create a new corporate look that was very specific to BMW. Whether you like it or you hate it, you yeah. knew that, oh, was, absolutely. that was the car. True. Absolutely. Now, there are other car companies that still had that, you know, the corporate look and they were nurtured along. And this is why yeah. model changes move so slowly. We want the next huge thing and it's not as crazy as we'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. First of all, flame surfacing describes the dancing of reflections in the sheet metal. So the surface looks as if that white highlight is bending and curving back more sharply to look like a lick of flame rather than the sheet metal itself. So it's it's all about designing with highlights. This is what car designers do. Unsurprisingly, you're describing this well. Yeah. You're, you want the upturned face, and it depends on how upturned it is. So down at the rocker, you have maybe just a hint, or maybe it's very severely upturned to really mm, catch the mm, light. Mm. And so those highlights along there, if you look at certain angles, it looks like, you know, you're, dr- you're drawing a cartoon flame and you're zigzagging back and forth. Other BMWs of that era were a lot smoother. The Z4, for example, yeah, were, yeah, were yeah. a lot, you know, they, the flame sort of curled and licked back on themselves kind of thing. And so you have to look at it from the right perspective. And you need hot daylight. You need either fluorescent lights or hot wow, daylight to yeah. see this. But that defined it. And I love that he picked a theme and then went after it. And mm-hmm. then that guided the sheet metal after that. I think Chris was a nothing uh, nothing in the genius level, but he was very creative and an excellent designer. Mm. And everybody references the Chris Bangle era, whether you like it or hate it. He's made his mark. Yeah, and when you're referencing there for sure. that, yeah. Yeah. you know he did a good job as leading mm. the team, mm. leading the design, okay. and getting people doing fresh th- thinking. Again, whether it was agreeable to you or not, you know he got people thinking outside of well, we're going to design a car now. 
what's our surface theme? What are we going after? Are we going after okay. sharks or okay. aquatic or bugs or what are we what are we sketching around? Are we looking at nature books while we're sketching? Are we you know, that seems to be the typical thing. Mm-hmm. But he's he's looking at highlights and the way the highlights dance and then mm. and then pulling the surface to make the reflection do that. Very creative. Awesome. Great answer. Uh Ben Prophet. Hey Ben, how are you? Wrote in on Instagram. Yeah, he said, hey, okay, ben. uh in in uh in Tennessee, they're about to have a law where you cannot use, hold, look at, or apparently even think about your cell phone while in a motor vehicle. Thank goodness. He's, he's, he's glad about that. Hey, we're glad about it, too. I don't know how they're going to enforce that. I think enforcement of that is the hardest part. There's a law like that in Utah, too, and I see plenty of people head down looking at their phone. But the police are very busy on other things. I get it. I totally get it. It's very hard to enforce. Yeah. Extremely hard to enforce. But yeah. I'm glad the law is existing. That's great. Meanwhile, he's looking at replacing his car, and he realizes every car he's looking at that he can afford – doesn't have Bluetooth connectivity. What does he do? Ben, with the exception of my FRS, which was a 2013, every car I've owned in the last decade hasn't had any kind of modern tech. And I'm going to say this to you, and I've said it to people before, never buy a car for the tech. Mm. I know that that's if you if you talk to anybody selling you a car, they want to sell you a car for the tech. Never buy a car for the tech because two years from now it's going to be old tech. Maybe maybe six minutes from now it'll be old tech. <laughs> you were left wondering what is it like to actually drive? Did, did the yeah, car exactly. turn on? What happened? Did, does this actually move or does it just sit here and have have tech? <laughs> have you seen our tech? Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's got this many speakers. Does it have an engine? Yeah. Moving on. You just need to actually tra- trade out your head unit. Buy the car you want. Trade out your head unit. I did this on the uh, well the 300ZX. Yeah. I did it on that. Yeah. I did it on the Saab 92X. I did it on the Mini. I did it on the Lancer. I did it on the Lotus. Are you seeing a trend? Absolutely. I wanted modern tech for the car. Specifically, once we got into smartphones, I wanted Bluetooth. I wanted hands-free. You've got to have Bluetooth. You just so, have to. You can instantly do that by doing an aftermarket stereo, and they're not even that expensive. I mean, you can do this through a place like Crutchfield. You can you can research the heck out of this and start at like fifty bucks, mm-hmm. and go up mm-hmm. to you can go up to Apple CarPlay for a few hundred. I mean, how far do you want to go? You can go that advanced at this point. Buy the car you want, fix the tech. Look, you can do the cheap fix and wear your AirPods while you're driving, but I don't recommend that because you need to be able to hear things mm-hmm. around you, like sirens coming in the back, or you know, you need to be able to. You know, have the awareness. If you're listening to music while you're driving, it can distract. So, Well, and Bluetooth connectivity for the phone is f- simply awesome. It just is. It's great. All right. Hot Rod Alex says, do all modern-day cars, will all modern-day cars, eventually have carbon fiber chassis, as a lot of sports cars are now starting to be designed with them? Yeah, when carbon pitch gets under, you know, a couple bucks a pound, <laughs> then, yeah, it's going to make sense. But right now, it doesn't. It just, I mean, you know, wallets and golf clubs and... Watches and airplane wings. <laughs> Things you want to pay extra for. Cars. They're all made out of carbon. The random now. mountain bike that is 50% more than the one <laughs> no, next kidding. to it because it was made out of carbon they're fiber. And it saved like it saved like two pounds. I'm so, honestly, sorry. Side rant. Side rant. First you place, me, second place. If you want me to buy a carbon fiber <laughs> mountain bike, I need to save more than two pounds. I hear you. I want you I to show you. me how it is half as heavy as the normal mountain bike I have. And then you know what? I might figure out how to, how to find that kind of money. But two pounds? Yeah. So essentially, whether or not I peed before I went for a ride, that's the difference. <laughs> How much did I fill my water bag? This exactly. is the difference. You've got to be kidding. I'm going with no water. Ooh. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, it, it depends. Honestly, much of the cost of a material is the people torturing the material into the shape of the thing that you're going to sell. Yeah. But, of, of course, it also has to do with the material, too. 
and then working that material. So when the, the raw materials drop to a point where, hey, every electric car has a carbon chassis because the batteries are heavy and we're now at normal car weight, bring that. Mm-hmm. But we're not there yet because it's still an expensive material to deal with. Interesting. HGA Russell wrote in on Instagram. I definitely wanted to touch this one. You said you were driving yesterday in your 87 Chevy Celebrity through an unbelievably heavy rain in Waco. Now, I haven't I've said done, Chevy Celebrity for years. Is, that's those are, that's a combination of words that doesn't happen. Wow. Yeah. Honestly, an unbelievably heavy rain in Waco, Texas, having gone to school there at Baylor, I, I've been there, done that. I mean, we're talking deluges. Okay? Wow. So he was driving through Waco, Texas, heavy rainstorm. He completely lost traction at low speed hmm. and bumped into an F-150. Now, his car and the F-150, both built like tanks, aren't damaged and neither were the people. But his question was, what the heck happened? Was it, was hmm. it, was it front-wheel drive? Was, was, it, was it me? Did I need traction control and ABS? Why did this go wrong? My question for you is, what's up with your tires? Mm. I think this is a tire question. I think it begins and ends at your tires. I agree. Do I think you could have been in a more modern, more capable car than your 87 Chevy Celebrity? Yes, I do. However, do I think that car is the cause of the problem? No. Mm. I Mm. suspect your tires are what let you down. I'd be very curious to know what tires you're running, how old they are, and what is their rating in water because I suspect – all of those combinations are not to your benefit, and that's the reason for this. Guys, mega thanks for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Sorry we can't get to all of them, but we're going to touch on them in future podcasts. Keep asking your questions. Uh, we're posting up for questions Mondays and Thursdays for release on Tuesdays and Fridays. Yep. So thank you for They're that. Great ones. And uh, everydaydriver.com has all your information for what's going on for the Utah meetup. So that's coming mm-hmm. at you. Very cool. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.